4: to the Lombardi line. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you on a Tuesday, our number two of the program. And we want to talk a little NFL, of course, over the weekend, Wes, it came out that Julio Jones has been traded to the Tennessee Titans. And that, of course, has affected the odds board. And Some effects have been larger than others, and some have been taken off the board. Uh, If you look at the to make the playoffs, let's look at kind of the before and after the trade here. To make the playoffs, the Tennessee Titans were minus 140 before the trade. That's currently off the board. It's probably up a little bit. If you look at their uh, to win the AFC South, to win the division, they were plus 110 before the trade. This has moved just slightly to plus 105, and that is the same price as your Colts. Then you look at to win the AFC, 22 to 1 before the trade, all the way down down to 12 to 1. That's the fifth best odds in the conference. It's kind of, you know, back and forth as far as some markets moving a lot with the trade. Others, not so much. I'm kind of on the not so much side. Mm -hmm. This guy's going to start his 12th season in the NFL. He's 32 years old. I know he's a Hall of Famer. But does he really move the needle that much, in your opinion, for Mike Vrabel, Ryan Tannehill, and the Tennessee Titans?
5: Yeah, Julio get the stretch as uh, the Tennessee ownership or given the stretch limo to welcome Julio Jones to Nashville. But you're absolutely right. I don't think it should have that much of an impact. I'm sure he's going to be a contributor, obviously, going to be a starter. They have a good young receiver there in A.J. Brown. Depth a little bit questionable, some unproven depth, I think, at that wide receiver position for Tennessee, but I think the offense is going to be fine for Mm -hmm. this team, even though now Arthur Smith, the former offensive coordinator, is now the head coach in Atlanta, ironically enough, so I think the offense will be fine. I think the market hasn't reacted as much in terms of the division because it's like, okay, well, they still got to stop people. And they really didn't do that very well last year. So, uh, you know, I don't think that it, 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 unless Julio Jones is going to play safety or going to play corner, it's not going to help that defense at all. So look, I still think they have a lot of questions, just like the Colts have a lot of questions, but fortunately for them, Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars have even more questions. The Colts key is obviously going to be, can Frank White Reich once be the, uh, quarterback whisperer again for Carson Wentz. And can he find some form here that he had a few years ago? There's certainly some weapons around him. He's behind a much better offensive line than he was in Philadelphia. So at least he's got that going for him, which is nice. And they've also got a good stable of running backs there in Indianapolis. So I still lean a little bit, even though it's very much a coin flip, I would say this trade makes it a coin flip. I still lean a little bit to Indianapolis. I think they're just a little bit better of a team here. I think It's that
4: defense for Tennessee. I mean, that was a huge problem. Yeah,
5: because and and not that the Colts' defense is a doomsday defense, but they do have some good players that can make plays on that team with Darius Leonard. I thought DeForest Buckner had a very good year for that first-year trade after uh, trading from San Francisco, rather. But the key for the Colts on defense is going to be, can they finally get a pass rush? And that's what they have not been able to do with that front four. So, that's what the Colts are going to need to do. They certainly drafted in the draft to try to help that with Quiddy Pay in the first round out of Michigan, kind of slipping down them late in the first round. So I, you know, that that reaction, though, to win the AFC at 12-1, to one, I think that's an overreaction. I think Tennessee is one of those several teams that's kind of in that muck. If you look at Kansas City is going to be up there as a, as a contender, I think you've got to consider – Baltimore up Mm -hmm. there, even though I'm a little bit down on them. Cleveland, Buffalo, Tennessee is kind of right there in that muck, you know, with several different teams where they could finish
4: as high as fourth or fifth or they could be out of the playoffs. Well, you look at, you know, we talk about how some markets have adjusted a lot and others just very little. To make the playoffs at minus 140, that's probably not going to change a whole lot. Maybe it goes to 45 or 50, but you talk about it, the AFC – basically cut in half to win the Super Bowl, almost cut in half from 40 to 1 to 25 to 1. And then you look at the MVP candidates on the uh, Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill at 22 to 1, Derek Henry at 25 to 1, and Julio Jones all the way at 200 to mm-hmm. 1. So it seems like this market is telling us, I mean, I know it's a long shot anyway. That the anyway. movement should be
5: negligible.
4: Uh, it's a long shot anyway for a wide receiver to win an MVP award, but at 200-1, to 1, it's kind of telling us maybe there shouldn't be that much movement elsewhere. This is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the Sports Betting Network. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you talking a little NFL and reacting to the way the odds market has reacted to the Julio Jones trade uh, from the Atlanta Falcons to the Tennessee Titans. But doesn't that speak to you a little bit as far as the MVP odds board? You've got Tannehill and Derrick Henry in the 22 to 25 range. And then Julio Jones all the way at 200 to one. Why is that guy impacting other markets so largely?
5: Right. Because, you know, you have one of the ultimate workhorse backs in the National Football League, Derrick Henry. He's kind of a throwback. If you look around the NFL, most of these teams now are kind of going with that platoon two and even three guys, but and that's not to say there aren't backups that get carries for the Titans. I think it was Deion Lewis last year, but Derek Henry is still getting the bulk of the load. He is one of those few running backs that you actually see get 25 or so carries a game because that's kind of gone the way of the Edsel here in the National Football League with it being such a passing league, but he is the ultimate guy where it's like, okay, if we need to really establish the power running game, we got a guy to do it with with Henry. So looking at those MVP odds, that's That's why I'm wondering why did that get moved to 12 to one in the AFC when maybe it should have been moved to maybe 20 or 18 to one. It's good. You got to have a small move because you don't want to leave a number because you know, betters are going to bet on news any type of news that reacts they're going to bet on it so it's it's understandable that you're going to move it down a couple spots but to have it be at 12 to 1 maybe the market maybe the books moved it to like 16 or 18 and then the bettors went ahead and said okay we're not number sensitive and then that went down to 12 to 1 but that's certainly a big move i think for the conference
4: all right time to take a look at the major league baseball card for your tuesday and we will start in philadelphia the Braves are in town in an NL East battle first pitch at Four oh five Pacific, seven oh five PM Eastern. It'll be Drew Smiley versus Aaron Nola. Both teams here have won two straight. Still back of New York in the division by three and a half and four games respectively. The fight and Phils, a favorite at home today, West minus one fifty five on the money line with a total of nine.
5: Yeah, the Fightin' Phils uh, and both the
4: Atlanta Braves kind
5: of been disappointments here to be under five hundred so far this season. Certainly, much more was expected of the Braves than I think was. Uh, expected of the Philadelphia Phillies, even though I like the Phillies. But first of all, starting on that Philadelphia side, Noel has kind of struggled a little bit of late. He's been good, but he's kind of come back to earth a little bit. And now he's got a lineup against the Braves team that has, even though the hitting has seemed down, they've been one of the best in the league against right-handed pitching so far this season. So you look at that and then you look on the other side with Drew Smiley, who I think has been one of the lower-end starting pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. 598 on the ERA, but still 474 on the XFIP, is still very high. So now you're taking on a Philadelphia team that I think – has been at least solid a little bit better against left-handed pitching than they've been against right-handed pitching. So Phillies are going to need to go Nola, to go deep here because the Braves bullpen certainly has the edge. So I guess when I'm looking at this, I thought that the price was pretty much right there on point here between the Braves and the Phillies. But, might look at the over here and maybe split it up first five and full game over still eight and a half juice the over at minus 120 or here at bed BetMG- MGM nine under minus 120. So I might split it half and half first five in game. You can still get the first five over at four and a half. It's more of a fade on Smiley than it is on Nola, but the Braves bats I think are predictably starting to heat up.
4: I've heard opinions on both sides here. I'm actually on the Phillies. I ate the chalk. Uh, I think I laid minus one 60. It's down a tick now. And Gil Alexander earlier on a numbers game, he said he leans toward the Braves at plus 145. I I think you can make a case both ways here, but uh, I'm going to go with Aaron Nola and the Phillies today. The Rockies are at the Marlins. Antonio Senzatella versus Pablo Lopez. Miami has won just one game in their last 10 contests, but they are a heavy favorite today against a Colorado team that has won just four times on the road all season. Marlins up to a minus 180 favorite here at BetMGM. Seven is your total.
5: Yeah, and that's why they're such a big favorite considering Colorado, who's been more than competitive and more than game at home at Coors Field, even though they were projected to be really dead last in the league. There they were talk that they might be the worst team in baseball, but have been more than competitive at home, but on the road, absolutely not. But this was, I think, 152, 155-ish in the overnight, and seeing as high as some 190s in the market, A 30-cent move on a team that's not the best at the plate and can really struggle to score runs, no thank you for me. This is either Rockies or nothing.
4: I actually did play the Marlins, but I got him last night, and yeah. I think it was around 55. Yeah, that wasn't a crazy price.
5: That's a that's a good number, and I think Pablo Lopez is a very good pitcher. Senzatella has been a little bit struggle-bust this year, 460 on the XFIP, but that's some bad luck in terms of the batting average balls in play, but I think you got the right number, but now that it's moved 30 or 35 cents, no thank you on the fish for me. Yeah,
4: that's getting very expensive. The Astros at the Red Sox, Framber Valdez versus Martin Perez. Boston has won five in a row, and they trail Tampa Bay in the AL East by just a half a game. The Astros only one game behind Oakland in the AL West, and Houston is a small road favorite this afternoon at Fenway. Minus 130 on the money line and a big total of 10.
5: Yeah, I lean a little bit Astros here just simply because they pound left-handed pitching. And it's a battle of lefties tonight between Valdez and Perez. Red Sox in their own right, pretty good hitters against left-handed pitching. That's why you've seen that total go from 9.5 to the overnight to about 10. So small lean to the over and a lean to the Astros here. Astros, I think this was pretty much an even split in the overnight. But now, like you said, bet MGM, the high watermark here at minus 130, you can chop around a little bit, maybe find a little smaller. But Certainly don't disagree with the move on the Astros.
4: Yep, I am on Houston as well, and I think I may have gotten them as low as 105. I'm seeing 115, minus 115 for an opener here. I'd have to go check, but... Uh... All the way up to minus 130 now at BetMGM on Houston. The Brewers at the Reds. We talked about this one briefly with Will Hill in the last hour, and he likes the Reds here. Kind of surprising with Sonny Gray West. I like this matchup, Adrian Hauser and Sonny Gray. Poor guys, one and four on the year, Mm -hmm. Uh, but he's been a very good pitcher for Cincinnati, and I mentioned this with Will. Both of these clubs have won four straight. The Brew Crew now in first in the National League Central, and the Reds uh, just four games back in fourth place, but still absolutely. Absolutely in the thick of things here. They're at home at Great American Ballpark today as minus one forty five favorites, as low as minus one thirty five at other shops, eight and a half for your total.
5: Yeah, we'll see if the Reds can keep the momentum going. They did get that sweep in Saint Louis uh over the weekend. So they're one game under 500. So they can kind of see, okay, you know, and sometimes you can kind of play those scenarios with teams when they know they're a game under 500. They really want to get back to 500 because then it's like, okay, after all this, we're 500 team. We can go from there and see if we can improve. But both these teams got some injuries at the plate. The Brewers, obviously, Lorenzo Cain still out on the injured list as is Colton Wong. Brewers have been getting it done on the mound and not at the plate. They have not been a very good hit hitting team so far this year, which is kind of amazing that they are currently seven games over 500 continuing the, considering the fact rather that they struggle to score runs. Cincinnati Reds, Senzel still out, Moustak is still out, Joey Votto still out, Blandino is now out, but still getting it done and got it absolutely done in St. Louis thanks to Jesse Winker with his three home runs on Sunday afternoon against the St. Louis Cardinals got them to win, so I'm with Will here. It's made a little bit of move towards Sonny Gray here. The This was 125 in the overnight, seeing as high as 145 actually on my screen at BetMGM. But by and large, the prices are like in the mid to low dollar thirty range here on the Reds, and I think that's a fair price.
4: I stayed away from this one, but I didn't get I did get involved in the Nationals at the Rays, 410 Pacific, 710 Eastern for John Lester versus Tyler Glass now. And polar opposites here, West. The Tampa Bay Rays have won two in a row and seven out of their last ten. The Washington Nationals have lost two in a row and lost seven out of their last ten. The Rays behind Glass now, a big favorite at home today, all the way up to minus 230 on the money line at BetMGM, seven and a half for your total.
5: Yeah, and I didn't get involved in the side, the, the numbers. Maybe this is getting a little bit out of whack with this kind of discrepancy. It certainly has been bad in the overnight. I think the Rays were like minus 195, now seeing them as high as 230 in the market. That probably has been more than compensated for. If you got the opener, I think a good idea, but I'm looking a little bit more at the total here because if you look at Tampa Bay, sometimes their offense can be hit or miss at home. If you look at Tyler Glasnow and his starts at home this year at the Trop, Only 28 runs in terms of support at 3.75 runs per home game. Nationals are averaging 4.3 runs in road games. So you are a little bit concerned about John Lester on the road. He's been a little bit better at home of late and I know that they have not they, they have not looked very good. Lester is ERA on the road. He's pitched 11 innings away from National Spark, 491 ERA and given up a 605 in terms of slugging percentage, 389 in terms of the WAba, which is weighted on base average. So look. Lester is going to have to get through that lineup at least one time. It's a 614 ERA, and that's a problem. He hasn't been able to get through the lineup in the first time. As he goes, the numbers kind of dip, but the best way, and really that's been the way through a lot of his career, is to get to John Lester early on. So that's what Tampa is going to try to do. The way I would look, I think that this spread is too much. I don't really want to back John Lester on the road, but I think this is a little high now on the Rays at home. So I'm going to look a little bit toward the under here at 7.5 maybe and uh, see if I can get John Lester to maybe be better the first time through the lineup. I think if he is, he progresses throughout the game, and I think this under has a good shot with the lack of run support for Glasnow.
4: Yeah, you read my mind. I am on the under, under 7.5 runs in this game, and I'm hoping for a big day out of John Lester. I expect Laz now to be up to his usual stuff, but uh, just hope Lester can limit the run scored out of Tampa Bay, and hopefully we can get home on under 7.5. The Yankees at the Twins, 5-10 Pacific, 8-10 Eastern. It'll be Jordan Montgomery facing Michael Pineda, and these are two teams that are struggling indeed. Yanks have lost four in a row and eight out of their last ten. The Twins are in the cellar in the AL Central, 12 games out of first place. The Pinstripers, are a small road favorite this evening, Wes, at minus 115 with a total of nine and a half.
5: Yeah, Michael Pineda does get a crack at his old mates, obviously started his career with the New York Yankees. And look, you got to look at the Yankees now in terms of their mindset. They got swept at home uh, on primetime on Sunday night baseball by their rivals, the Boston Red Sox. And now all of a sudden, Yankees just two games over 500, certainly not out of it in the AL East. just do 60 games on the season, but... It looks like Tampa Bay is going to be able to be effective in terms of trying to defend their American League pennant from last year. They're certainly in the lead now. The Boston Red Sox don't look like they're going away. You, you know, we think, okay, when are the Red Sox going to regress? Well, they're 14 games over 500 here, yeah. and we're about approaching the middle of June, so maybe they are absolutely here to stay. Toronto has been competitive, too. They're only three they they're three games over 500. I don't think that they're going to stay the course through the entire season, but they've certainly been more competitive. Competitive. So when is it going to be go time, I guess, for the New York Yankees is what you're wondering, because the bats really, the bats just really haven't heated up for this team. They have not been able to consistently hit really all season and they're relatively good on the injury report right now. I know Aaron Hicks is out and Luke Voigt is out with that oblique muscle injury, but they're very, I mean, they've got Judge back. They they have Stanton. They have LeMahieu. They have Gardner, who has not hit well all year. That's why he's moved from the leadoff to all the way to the ninth spot right now in the order. So I didn't really know what to do with this game, Brady, because the Twins obviously have been the disappointment in terms of being cellar dwellers. Pineda has been a little bit luckier. This year, in terms of the batting average balls in play, so you've kind of seen his numbers regress a little bit from the beginning of the season. Yankees getting the money. Maybe the best thing to do, that old adage, sometimes when you lose at home and you're on a losing streak in your own park, is to go into somebody else's yard. So maybe that's the reason for the move here on the Yankees, plus the fact that the Minnesota Twins have been bad. But I couldn't get next to either side here, so it's a stay away for
4: me. Yeah, I did not do anything with that game either. The Indians at the Cardinals, Shane Bieber versus Carlos Martinez in Cleveland, they have fallen off the pace a bit in the American League Central. Now four games back of the first place Chicago White Sox. The Cardinals, meanwhile, have lost five in a row. Now two and a half games back in the NL Central, a division they once led not that long ago. And Bieber's a heavy road favorite here at Bush, minus 170 with a total of seven. Yeah,
5: Bieber uh, last time out did get a win over the Chicago White Sox. Went seven innings strong, and you look at his numbers this year. ERA 308, 267 on the exit, striking out about 13 and a third per nine innings. Walks a little high, though, at three and a third in his own right, but he's not giving up a lot of home runs. He's actually had some bad luck with the batting average balls in play at 327, so you wonder if he gets some good luck, what kind of pitcher he is going to be. Carlos Martinez 583 on the ERA, 5 22 on the XFIP. You are seeing a little bit of money on the Cardinals from the overnight. I think they're about a dollar 57 underdog now, seeing as low as dollar 40 at BetMGM, and maybe that's just because it's kind of like, well, the Cardinals can never be an underdog that much to anybody at home because they're so good in Busch Stadium. So. I haven't gotten involved with this one yet. This may be one that when I see the total going down from seven and a half to seven for a key number, sometimes I like to do this, Brady, especially with the home dog where I take that run line at home plus one and a half and it's minus 115 at bed MGM where I go half on the run line and half on the money line. And that might be my approach here for Carlos Martinez and the St. Louis Cardinals trying to rebound from getting swept at home by the Cincinnati Reds.
4: You know, I was uh, out uh, last weekend on the Green Zone. You were out the weekend prior. You were back in Indianapolis for the great race, the 500, and Jeff Parles and I talked with Mark Borchard, a frequent guest mm-hmm. on uh, Gil Alexander's the numbers game, has been on the Green Zone with us a number of times, but a great baseball guy, and he was doing a little project. He, he had run a bunch of simulations and came up with the fact that the St. Louis Cardinals, by his numbers, his calculations, were the luckiest team in baseball.
5: Largely because of John Gant, by the way, who did get hit around by some. Cincinnati on Sunday, I've been betting against him and beating my head against the wall because they haven't been able to get to him. His ex has been three and a half runs higher in his ERA. Reds finally got to him on Sunday.
4: Well, Mark uh, timed his uh, fade of the Cardinals pretty well as they have lost five in a row. So I'm going to go against St. Louis again today. We've got a couple more games on the Diamonds to cover on the other side here as we continue on the Lombardi line on v the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back into the Lombardi line brought to you by BetMGM, Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you continuing some of the Tuesday card on the diamonds. And we want to go to Oakland, California, Wes where the Athletics will host the Diamondbacks, 640 Pacific, 940 Eastern for the first pitch. It'll be John uh, Duplantier against Chris Bassett for the Athletics. Arizona has lost five in a row, and they trail in the National League West by 18 games already, just roughly 60 games into the season. They are a big underdog tonight in Oakland, plus 180 on the money line, eight and a half for your total, and there are some eights for the total in the market as well.
5: I like to say that no team is really unbettable because sometimes you do have to go where the stink is. Like we always say, Brady, you got to take some nasty underdogs at some point. But. The Arizona Diamondbacks are really kind of approaching that territory right now where they are almost unbettable. I didn't think they were going to be great, but I thought that they would be a little bit more competitive, you know, within at least a few games of 500 at this standpoint, 20 and 41. They have the worst record in major league baseball now and behind the Colorado Rockies who everybody kind of thought the Rockies are going to be the worst team or maybe the Orioles who are still in consideration worst in the American league right now, but Or the Pirates. So right now it's the Arizona Diamondbacks. And boy, boy, I can't bet them really against anybody until they show some kind of life. Is is 215-220 a little bit high to lay on Chris Bassett? Probably. Exactly. So I'm not going to do that. So this is one I am likely to stay away from on this evening.
4: Yeah, the National League West, really a case of the haves and the have-nots, right? Mm -hmm. The Giants, the best record in baseball. Mm -hmm. Arizona, the worst. You got Colorado down there. And then, of course, San Diego and Los Angeles. At the top, I did take a little piece of Arizona because I felt the price was off, and Bassett has been inconsistent. On price alone, I think if you're just looking at that, then Arizona would be
5: the play because I'm not going to lay 220 on Chris Bassett here. And eventually, it is baseball. Even bad teams win about 60 games. Right. So, you know, maybe this could be one of those nights for the D backs, but. It would be D-backs or nothing, but I'm going to choose nothing. I just need to see a little bit of life out of Arizona.
4: The Cubs at the Padres, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. This will wrap up your Tuesday card on the diamond. Zach Davies versus Denelson-Lamette. It's two second-place teams meeting up at Petco Park in San Diego. The Cubs trail in the NL Central by a half game. The Padres are a game and a half back of San Francisco in the West. And the Friars are a good-sized favorite here tonight, West. I was actually a little surprised that they were this big of a favorite over the Cubs, who have been a hot team as of late.
5: Yeah, the Cubs are. They have been hot in the fact that they've been a lot bit better than I think a lot of people thought they were going to be this year. Six games over 500, They had actually been better in their recent stretch. Now they're 1-4 on this West Coast road trip. Did lose 9-4 to four in San Diego to start this series. Lost 3-4 in San Francisco to the Giants. So you do have Zach Davies, who's kind of been the inconsistent starter for this bunch, really. Really, when you've looked at them for the full season. 494 on the ERA, 553 on the XFIP. So probably this is a little bit of a fade of Davies, I think, here at this standpoint. But Denison LeMet, 277 ERA, 415 on the XFIP. He's been battling some injuries here, so... The price probably has gotten a little bit out of whack at this standpoint, laying a dollar eighty or more on the San Diego Padres. For, so just for the number value alone, I think it would be with the Chicago Cubs, even though I'm really not want to back Zach Davies right now. I think he has been clearly the worst guy in that rotation. But the move that you've seen in the market, which I do agree with, is actually the move to the over. And now you're starting to see some eight-and-a-halves. Still at BetMGM, eight over minus a twenty-five, And with some regression coming, I think, for both of these pitchers, that would be the way I would look.
4: Yeah, I do lean the Padres here, but the number is getting a little high. And it makes sense, I guess, when you think about it. You mentioned the Cubs and their struggles uh, up north at Oracle against the Giants. And I think the odds makers, a lot of pro- uh, people probably consider the Padres a better team than San Francisco. They've been very good home 21 and 12 so far this season at Petco. So maybe the uh, price makes more sense than it might look at first glance. Uh, A couple things here that our producer Stephanie has put together for us and these are always fun things that people do in football in the NFL who's going to score the first touchdown of the day who's going to be the highest scoring team of the day. We've got that in baseball now from our friends at BetMGM I don't know if you looked at any of these Wes but uh, like Houston at Boston that's one of the highest totals on the board today at 10 plus plus three. 50, if you think that'll be the highest scoring game of the day, we can uh, take a look at this uh, a little bit further in the next segment. Anything jump out to you at all as far as what game might have a lot of runs scored today? Well, rifle favorite
5: with Houston and Boston, considering what these two teams do against left handed pitchers.
4: Yep, absolutely. All right, we'll take a look uh, a little bit further here in the next segment, see if we can maybe find a gem in that market as we continue right here on the Lombardi line. NHL and NBA playoffs are here, and our experts are covering every angle to find betting edges. v hockey expert Andy McNeels tracking all the NHL action, and our senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel has all the hoops in sight. Our experts and the entire Vsin team give you all the tools to make the most of every bet on the playoffs, including odds and analysis for every game. Up at v our daily members-only best bet emails. Now's the time to cash in on the playoffs. Sign up for a 10-day free trial at vison.com slash subscribe. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you back inside the Lombardi line. Lou Finicaro now joins us as we try to tap into some of his inner puck passion. Good morning to you, Mr. Finicaro. You were on the Islanders on Monday night, and I thought that price on Boston was pretty darn high. Impressive. Wes and I were talking about this Islanders club has been really something to behold in what we thought was a heck of a matchup against the Boston Bruins. But I want to know, you and I, I I was not involved in uh, Game 5 last night on Monday night but you and I both got involved in the series at better than four to one after they dropped that first game. Would you go back to the well now and maybe guarantee yourself a profit and buy a little bit back on Boston at plus money in the neighborhood of a plus 175.
7: The answer to that question is um, maybe not. I, I, I'm going to make, I, I myself am going to make Boston beat me. However, the reason that we make these series plays at such long position is to be able to put yourself into a win-win situation like that. Now, uh, whether I decide on Gamble.com to recommend that or not, I'm not sure. I My bet was very small on the series bet. So I'll probably let it ride. But uh, that the option is what you have. Some people want to hog up all the positive EV that they can earn up front and i understand that some people like me it's normally my position to buy out and put a deposit into the bank and and that's normally my choice and and there's choices in between, and it's up to the individual gambler to make that call.
5: Lou, we talked about this earlier because there was an exact similar scenario last Friday night in the NBA playoffs where you had the Clippers down three to two having to go on the road as a small road pup or a small road uh, chalk rather, and the Bruins are certainly that for tomorrow night where it's almost like, are you better off betting the series price with the dog like the Clippers were Friday night and the bees right now are about a plus seventy on the series price rather than betting game six to at least perhaps give you some equity for game seven. Now, if you lose and the Islanders win, then you go ahead and lose the bet and you move on and chalk it up as an L, but it almost seems like it's probably a better approach. If you want to be on the Bruins is take that big series price and then know that you're going to have plus money in your pocket for a home favorite in game seven. Should it reach that point?
7: Yeah. That that question adds clarity to, to Brady's question. And my position would be if I was going to buy out, of the Islanders plus 425, it would only be with a Bruin series bet. I think that's what plus 175 right now or, mm-hmm. or so that's how I would execute that hedge because at that point in time, as soon as you make that bet, you just made a deposit. And the question is how much of a deposit will you make?
4: All right, Lou, let's talk about the ice uh, action for Tuesday night. Two games, and it'll be game five between the Carolina Hurricanes hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay up 3-1 to one in that series, and they're a slight favorite on the road to close it out tonight in the neighborhood of minus 120, as high as minus 125 here at BetMGM. Any play for you in
7: this contest? Yeah, I don't think so. When I When I really want to tie into that road team, I want to beat closing line value and the Tampa open minus 110 but more importantly in the last few games they were uh, plus 100 game one or minus 102 game two minus 105 and now because the game is potential closeout I got to pay more money on the lightning I don't think I want to go that way for me I may wait there's no question that the flow and the public's going to be betting the lightning late If it's a hurricane or pass for me, but it's probably not a game I'm gonna invest in, but the next one sure is.
5: Yeah, and to your point, one more on this one. With the Lightning, yes. line is probably going to increase if Nita Rider and also Trocek are going to be go ahead and be ruled out. They're listed as questionable. There was thought that maybe one or both would come back tonight. We still don't know that as of yet, but getting in front of that Tampa Bay power play at 41% in the playoffs, which is outstanding, and we saw Tampa Bay. Look, they got down two goals real quick in the second period on Saturday. Got that lead back and got it back tied just like that. So a tough spot to fade here. But Lou will move over to the main event of the evening here, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. And what a difference a couple days makes looked like VGK was going to be a little bit outclassed after game one, and then VGK outplayed Colorado in game two, but just couldn't stay out of the box and then went ahead and took the L and went down 2-0, but two wins here in a packed fortress, finally at full capacity here in Las Vegas at T-Mobile Arena, and now all of a sudden, the Vegas Golden Knights got some believers here looking at the price tonight, about minus $1.45, $1.50-ish on the Colorado Avalanche. That's also the same price that they are for the series. I know you were higher on VGK GK than a lot of the rest of the market. Would you be more apt if you were trying to hedge out a little bit to bet the Avalanche just in game five, or go ahead and bet them for the series now that it's the best two of three
7: on this program for weeks, I've chimed that I think the Avalanche are not the team. Uh, they've looked good. They were six and and0 they were flying high and I still was adamant in the fact that I believe they had a long, hard road ahead of them. Now, They got a first line that has not been able to perform in Las Vegas. They're going home with the weight of the world on their shoulders. There's pressure from fans, there's pressure from within, there's pressure from their hot-headed coach making headlines. And meanwhile, Vegas has them right where they want them. Coach for uh, Las Vegas, everybody wanted to chop his head off after game one. In retrospect, looks like uh, DeBoer kind of had an idea what he was doing. This is all Las Vegas tonight. They're going to go up there, win this game, and come home with the opportunity to quiet an awful lot of people. And I'm going to talk even more after that's over. Hey, uh, Lou, what do you
4: think? If Vegas is to go on and win this evening, do you think they close it out at home, or do you think we're headed for seven games likely, whatever pans out the next couple days?
7: Yeah, that, that's that's so much projection, but I would uh, be prone to believe that the road team's going to be live in game six in Las Vegas, because at that point in time, now, these lines are tight. We know the injuries. We're not fooling anybody anymore. It's all passion and emotion, and at that point in time, you'd have Colorado fighting for more and more desperation, I may give them consideration.
4: All right. Great stuff, my friend. Enjoy the games tonight and uh, go VGK, Lou.
7: No question about it. Thanks for having me on and good luck everyone. You bet, Lou. Thank you.
4: All right. We'll do more Lou Finicaro, I believe, tomorrow on the Lombardi line and get his uh, takes on hockey as the Stanley Cup playoffs roll along. We'll take a look at some player props in the NBA. Also want to get back to our baseball question as we wrap it up here on the Lombardi line. into $100 with BetMGM with a wager on the Avalanche or the Golden Knights if either team scores a goal. Just use the bonus code VSIN100 when you sign up for the king of sportsbooks and get ready for showtime. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com for more details. Make sure to use the promo code VSIN100. It's a new customer offer, paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. It excludes Michigan dissociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 800-889-9789 in Tennessee. And one eight hundred nine with it in Indiana. The promotional offer is not available in Nevada. Welcome back to the Lombardi Line final segment as we get ready to pass the baton down to our friends at Circa. Mike Palm and Amal Shah will take you for the next hour for the Nuts. But uh, before we do that, Wes, let's take a look at some of the player props for the two NBA playoff games for this evening, and uh, we'll get to that baseball question in just a moment. Uh, Steph put up highest-scoring game of the day, highest-scoring team of the day, Uh, a new market that is being offered by BetMGM. Always fun to kind of dabble into that stuff, and we will get to that before we get out of here. But as far as the Hawks and the 76ers, game two of their series, the 76ers up to as high as six-point favorites in the game right now. And the way these player player props work, you can go under or over the posted number. Trey Young, for instance, 27.5 points, 3.5 assists, Assist, nine or excuse me three and a half rebounds nine and a half assists two and a half three-pointers uh, Bogdanovich is pretty interesting if you look at his three-pointers West the number is three and a half I don't know if you want under or over that then you go to the 76ers side you talked about Joel Embiid pumping in 39 the other night in game one a loss for Philadelphia his point total is at 29 and a half. and with Philadelphia and their backs against the wall, down one game to none at home, I would look to the over on Embiid's point total.
5: I would, too, and I actually like the rebounds a little bit better. By the way, Embiid, of course, questionable, but they're down one nothing in a playoff series, and it's a home game that they have to win. He, he, it, they're going to move heaven and earth for him to play. He is going to, I think, go tonight. But even if he doesn't, you do get your bet refunded if you go ahead and bet this prop and he doesn't end up going. And maybe look,
4: that's why the numbers lower. Yeah, because of his status. Yeah, I,
5: I don't know. And look, he was questionable game one two. He played thirty eight minutes mm-hmm. against the Hawks in that losing effort. And I mentioned his stat line: thirty nine points, nine rebounds, four assists, had three block shots, and also was a plus thirteen in terms of the plus minus. Uh, so look. I think he's at least going 36 uh, plus minutes tonight, may even go more than he did in game one. So where I would maybe look at is the rebounds, even more than the points at nine and a half to go over. And I think there's probably some juice to the over on that side. If you look at with uh, Embiid in terms of his rebounds, he grabbed a rebound about once every three minutes when you look uh, at his uh, his regular season on the season, he was over nine and a half rebounds in 31 of the 51 regular season games. So that's about a little over 60% of the time that he's going to hit the overs. So I, I think when you look at it, rebounding is going to be very key for the Philadelphia 76ers are going to need to get second chance opportunities in case the three doesn't drop tonight. So look, when you evaluate what he did in the regular season, when Embiid played 32 minutes or more in the regular season, he went over nine and a half rebounds 21 out of 27 times. That's 78%. So, Joel Embiid, I think, on the rebounds, maybe even more so than the points, although I certainly couldn't disagree with an over in terms of points. But you know when you get into a prop market here in the NBA playoffs, usually the tightest market is probably the scoring Yes, is is the points. So, that's why I may skirt a little bit of that and go with the over 9.5 boards.
4: I think this is very interesting as well. Ben Simmons, 15.5 points, 7.5 rebounds, 8.5 assists. Assists and a half on the three pointer, and you can only bet the over. We know mm-hmm. Simmons doesn't mm-hmm. even attempt a lot of three pointers, let alone make one. It is a half of a three pointer. You want is he going to make one or is he or is he going to miss one? Is basically what you're betting here. But you cannot bet the under; only the over is being offered, and it's better than thirteen to one.
5: Right, and and look, I, I usually stay away from that one. But to the Simmons props. Simmons is one of those guys. If you're going to play props, you have to obviously look and see if your shop offers this, but. He's more of a, like a combined prop guy. When you look at like combined Mm -hmm. rebounds and assists or points, rebounds and assists, like he had 17 in game one, and then he had 10 assists and four rebounds. So sometimes you want to look at that combined and see what the difference is. If there's much of a difference between the combined. And also if you just add up the individual props, points, rebounds, and assists, make sure you're getting the right value. I think from that standpoint, but He can kind of be a stat sheet stuffer. He's never a guy that seems to really go off very often for like 30 points or something like that, but he's had a couple triple doubles uh, in the playoffs, including that closeout game against the Wizards that Embiid did not play. So that's kind of the way I would play Simmons rather than picking and choosing in terms of points, rebounds, or assists individually.
4: All right, let's talk about the Utah Jazz and the Los Angeles Clippers. Their are game one of their series. You look at uh, Kawhi Leonard, his point total at 27.5, rebounds 7.5, assists five and a half, three three-pointers at 1.5. I could possibly see an over there. Uh, on the Utah side, Donovan Mitchell catches my eye at 28.5 points and also Rudy Gobert at 13.5 rebounds. I think you and I both feel that this is probably Utah's game here tonight. Maybe not the series, but they should get this opener. They're a decent-sized favorite, about a four-point favorite at home. The Clippers coming off of that grueling game se- or seven-game series with the Dallas Mavericks. Only were able to get one win at home in the decisive game. Seven were the Clippers. So a tough spot for them. And if Utah's really going to go out and-, and bury this team tonight, you got to believe Mitchell's probably going to get to 30 points. One thing I do want to
5: mention from earlier in the program, they were four-point favorites. Now we have seen some movement to the Clippers' side. Now, just three-point favorites are the Mm. Utah Jazz, and even at... One or two far away places, starting to see a couple two-and-a-halves, but basically three across the board, including here at MGM. So Clippers taking money despite the fact of that scenario that we mentioned, Brady. When a team goes to Game 7 and wins a Game 7, that next Game 1, they usually only win straight up about 40% of the time. So you're now getting a very small home dog on the money line if you want to lay the spread or the money line that's got a 60% situation, at least historically. So... You do have a jazz team that is rested, but the question always is rest against Russ. So if I lean to the jazz side, I'm absolutely with you in terms of what we are going to see here. I got to think the Clippers are going to, I want to see if they want to stick with that small lineup though, because Ty Lue after game two went to that small lineup where he took Zubac out of the game because Luka Doncic was absolutely abusing these guys in the pick and roll. So that's when he went with that starting lineup of Leonard George, Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, and also Reggie Jackson. So does Ty Lue go back to that original lineup where he has Zubach on the floor to start the game to try to see if he can match Rudy Gobert? And that's where I don't really know in terms of the props how I am going to play this necessarily because I don't know what Lou is going to do if he's going to put Zubach and Beverly back into the lineup here. So the Clippers we know really don't have what you would call a true point guard. Mm-hmm. Who's their best assist guy? And I bet him over assists in game seven. It's been Paul George. And that's why you see George and, and Kawhi, who aren't really point guards, but they kind of function that way in the offense more so than any of the other Clipper guards. So I haven't decided what I'm going to do on props in this game because I kind of want to get a read this afternoon and see if some reports come out who is going to be in that starting lineup for the Clippers.
4: Yeah, and that's why I was looking at Gobert on over the 13 and a half rebounds. If the Clippers do go small, I would think right. Uh, yeah, ab- absolutely,
5: because we saw the Mavericks, what Rick Carlisle did, and I think with relative success, mm-hmm. being that he took it seven games, is he went big when the Clippers went small, which means he went with Porzingis and Boban together in that lineup. I think Utah is going to just stick with their normal lineup with obviously Rudy down low, and then the three guards kind of wanes with Mitchell and Bogdanovich and, and those guys, so – I haven't bet any props, a little less certain on this game from that standpoint.
4: All right, let's look at the latest odds to win the NBA Finals MVP. Obviously, we do not know what the matchup will be for the NBA Finals, but there is a market that you can bet into this thing. And you were talking about uh, a tweet you made on Monday night talking about the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets game, and you mentioned Chris Paul and that MVP discussion as far as Jokic for the uh, Denver Nuggets. Chris Paul is 25-1 to 1 to win the finals MVP. I kind of like I, – I am a Suns backer. I, I have not backed him financially. But I think this team has a real shot to get out of the West. Mm-hmm. And if they do and they happen to win this whole darn thing or whatever – this guy's got to be a sympathy vote and a a worthy vote because like you talked about, he is absolutely a coach on the floor. Because he's been
5: chasing that ring forever too and if he finally gets it there's going to be a want to to give it to him even though Devin Booker is the young stud and basically the main man on that team. So
4: I think Chris Paul would have some value in this market. 25-1. to We're a long ways away. I don't know if you want to get invested in that type of thing but I think he makes a little bit of sense. All right, any team in this baseball market here, who's going to the most. I, I looked at the New York Yankees. We know both that team and the Minnesota Twins have been struggling, but we know the Bombers are the Bombers and they can explode at any minute. 12-1 12-1 to one to be the highest scoring team today. Well,
5: and I'll go back to that original one, too, to be the highest scoring game. The highest total on the board is Houston and Boston at 10, so that's the rightful favorite, but when I look at when I handicap these pitchers in terms of who's going to get some regression a little bit, and you've already seen some move on the total up from 7.5 to about 8 juice to the over, or 8.5. Cubs and Padres at 16-1. Mm-hmm. to one. If you're looking for a little bit of a bigger price, I think you could see it. Zach Davies has not been good for the Cubs. He's barely hanging on in that rotation. Denilson Lamette has had some injuries and been injury-prone, so there's a possibility he leaves the game and you have to get to that bullpen very early. So Cubs and Padres would be where I would look for.
4: Fun stuff, Stephanie. We'll see if we can do more of that in the future. Who is going to be the highest-scoring team or the highest-scoring game on the board in baseball each and every day? A new offering from our friends at BetMGM. Next up, it's our friends Mike Palm and Amal Shah for the Nuts as we head down to Circa right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.